1: All right.
0: Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Hope everyone still at home time and eating all those meals at home time. I know this kind of sucks, but we're going to make the most of it time. It always could be worse cutting it time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Friday afternoon. Probably going to drop this pod on a Friday afternoon also, even though we've already had one today. It was of the breaking news variety. So uh, if you see something in the feed before this, uh, that's talking about EJ Anasiki, the uh, graduate transfer big man from uh, Sacred Heart, the younger brother of former Tennessee star Nikki Anasicki, and uh, he will be finishing his career at Tennessee. He announced on Friday that's a, that's a big get for the Vols. Uh, so you can go back and listen to the thing in your feed. Before that, if you want to hear about that, this episode will focus more on football, and to do that, of course, you know we're going to go across town to an undisclosed location uh, at, at an undisclosed part of the world. And we're going to speak with Patrick Brown, our good, good friend, our football beat writer extraordinaire. Pat, what's up, man?
1: Not much, Wes. Just uh, hunkering down. Uh, it's been really nice here this week, so it's been good to at least get outside of the house.
0: That's uh, that. That is true. That is. But true. not
1: leave the neighborhood and go to public places, so to speak. Go on some walks, do some yard work sit on the porch, things like that.
0: Yeah, I'm still, I'm doing some of that stuff, but I still have, this bronchitis is just not going away, and I just feel awful, and I'm going to say a couple things about that real quick. First off, my voice still sucks, even worse than normal, and I'm sorry. So, guys, if, if, uh, uh, might have to edit some parts of this, so so we'll see, um, but hopefully everything uh, will stay in tune. I've been trying to not use my voice much today to get ready for this, so we should be able to do this. And The second thing is, I know there are a lot of people online right now, uh, and so you'll notice if you've been streaming your video and stuff, watching at home, some of the streaming has been downgraded a little bit in quality. That's because there's just a lot of people on Al Gore's internets. And and so long story short, uh, obviously we're doing social distancing, so we're doing these podcasts remotely. So Pat's at his house. I'm here at Fort Rucker Studio. Uh, But with the internet being what it is right now, you might hear some of the audio sort of fade in and out a little bit at times. Hopefully not, but if it does, uh, we will try to fix that from our end. Uh, But just wanted to get those couple of things out of the way. Because, Pat, when we're not delivering – just the absolute best product. I think that we have to, you know, we should warn people, shouldn't we?
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty smart. I mean, we're, we're normally not exactly setting the world ablaze with our podcast anyway.
0: Well, that's true, but <sighs> no, no, that's kind of a bummer, man. I mean, we're not like Radiolab or anything like that, but, you know, I mean, there's worse ones out there.
1: True. Guys, we have a low bar that we set for ourselves, and we always surpass it, though. I'll I'll put it that way.
0: Yeah. It's like uh, my, my dad has told me several times in life, son, if you set that bar low enough, you can walk right over that bastard. Remember that. Remember that. Those are words to live by. Guys, we uh, did in our last full football episode that we did, we, we spoke about kind of starting an offseason checklist of sorts for the Tennessee football team. We did the quarterbacks and wide receivers in the first edition. This is the second edition, so we're going to break this up, uh, and, and we're going to finish out the rest of the offense in this one. We're going to hit the O-line, we're going to hit the running backs, and we're going to hit the tight ends. And, and we're going to start by, um, first off, reminding you that if if you see something uh, it doesn't really matter what order you listen to them in, so if you see the off-season checklists, those are ones that you should probably listen to in some kind of order uh, if you want to get all those together. So you can either listen to this one and then go back and listen to that one, or you can go back and listen to that one and then listen to this one. Whatever you want to do, uh, these are kind of meant to go together because uh, we don't know what's going on with Tennessee's off-season yet. We don't know. Are they going to make up for those spring practices that they've missed? Are, are they going to um, just you know kind of tack on to a preseason camp when that gets started? Are they even going to have a season? We don't know that right now. Uh, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of the skis, Pat, because we don't know what's going to happen. So what we're going to do is pretend that at some point Tennessee is going to play a football season at some point this year. That's what we're going on, on sort of – just sort of a guess here that they're going to find a way to play some football games. And when they do, what are they going to be doing with this off season and where are they at different positions and where do they need to go? We'll start, I guess with the running backs and the tight ends, and we'll get to the running backs first, Pat. What do you think about that group overall, the way Eric Gray performed at the end of last season? How much did that sort of change things for this group going forward? Um,
1: now, I think it's, uh, I like some of the group. Uh, I'm interested to see what some of these newcomers bring. Uh, I think you could be in a lot worse situation than having Eric Gray and Ty Chandler as maybe your top two guys. Uh, I think those guys are both really good players. They're really hard workers. Uh, they're smart players. Uh, I think Tim Jordan's a nice complimentary piece to have. Um, he, he's not spectacular, but he can get the job done for you. Had some solid games, had some solid moments last year. I think the, the staff likes the toughness he plays with um but i i think it's they need a little bit more variety in there and i think a couple of the newcomers might bring that uh guys like lenith whitehead t hodge bring a little bit more size um to the backfield they don't have that bruiser so to speak uh with, with the the three the three guys that they have returning plus carlin fills me none of those guys are really all that big or or they're not power back so to speak there's a reason why tennessee we'll kind of go to first crouch and, and some goal line and some short yard situations at times last season. Cause he was frankly their best option for, uh, uh, for, for some of those scenarios. But um, you know, I, I, I'm interested to see what Chandler does as a senior. Um, this is his last chance. I think he's been solid. I think he's been pretty good. Uh, has he lived up to being a top 100 overall recruit that he was? I, I don't know that he's done that yet, but um, if he can find a way to be a little bit more dynamic, make some more guys miss, um, get more yards than maybe a play is supposed to. Uh, we saw that at the end of the season with Gray. Uh, that's something that he did, that Tennessee's running game was really missing, uh, that that he brought in those last two games against Vanderbilt and in Indiana. So um, can Chandler get some of that? Uh, and, and and can he bring some of that dynamism? Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, the numbers of 10-yard runs, Gray had, I think, more than both Chandler and Jordan and uh, fewer or similar carries. So, uh he's the most dynamic of the group um and so but the question with gray is of course uh was that just sort of a flash in the pan or is that what's going to be the norm is he going to be able to be a guy that gets 15 carries a week how does his body hold up all those kind of things so i think there's some question marks but um i think this backfield situation is, is maybe uh it's not terrible but i don't know that it it's you know it's not excellent either it's not you know you look at some of the other backfields in the league and I think they're in a much better situation but that said Tennessee's got some quality guys I think definitely are, are capable of getting the job done
0: yeah I think you, you made a really good point there And before I talk about Gray I do want to uh, double back on that and talk about Chandler as you started off with because I, I think that's to me he's a really really interesting storyline going into the season and, and I've said before I've been on record in, in podcasts that we've done and and some other things that I guess some roundtables and things that, that that we've had before. I, I, I think Chandler could have a pretty nice senior season. Um, but but he, is that a given? No, it, it's not. And, and here's, here's what's interesting about Chandler. He is so, so good when he gets into open space, um, but he's got to get better at getting to open space. Because if you're a guy who uh, excels in space and speed is the best thing you've got, well, then – you need to get into space to really use that. I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, it, it it's you can't you can't have one without the other. You know you can't show your speed if you're if you're not getting out into space. And I think Chandler can be kind of an underrated runner between the tackles. I think he's got more power uh, than he's given credit for, But uh, I think something we can all agree on is that he does not have enough splash plays for a guy as dynamic as he is. And I don't know if that is an issue um, in terms of him seeing the second level of the defense or third level of the defense. I don't know if the blocking has just not been good enough. I don't know if maybe some of the play calling hasn't really taken advantage of what he can do. I doubt it because Jim Chaney is usually pretty good at that. I don't know exactly what it is, but for some reason, he just did not get into open space as much as I thought he would last year. Uh, because if you're a guy like Tim Jordan, you know, he had the great game against Bama, you know, he, he's going to give you what he's going to give you. And I don't mean that – in any sort of a bad way. I just think he is a good, solid SEC running back. He's going to have some big moments. He's really tough and physical. Uh, He comes to practice with a hard hat, lunch pail every single day. You need those kinds of guys. But Chandler and Gray are probably the more dynamic players. And the way that Gray finished the year last year, um, that really had to kind of spur – Chandler's saddle a little bit I, I think uh to, to the fact that some people even wondered if he would think about transferring uh, as a grad transfer for his senior season he obviously didn't want to do that he stayed at Tennessee that's where he wants to be but uh, I mean he he's got to be unnoticed right I mean the way when you have a, a young guy a young buck come in and do what Gray did that has to get your attention as an older player doesn't it and, I mean he, he doesn't want to be the second or third option now
1: yeah but I mean in this day and age of football, you need multiple backs. I mean, we've seen it with uh, – you look in the NFL, a guy like Todd Gurley was what the highest-paid running back in the league two years ago, and then the Rams just got him, didn't even trade him. Uh, I guess they thought they couldn't get anything for him. I mean, that's just sort of the uh, the nature of the position now is you need multiple guys and you need variety, and that's something that, that Jay Graham, uh, the, the new coach, is taking over this backfield has, has talked about. He, you know, he wants – all of his guys be able to do certain things, but you also want some variety. We sort of talked about this with the, uh, with the wide receivers. You want to have some fast shifty guys. You want to have some guys that you can split out in the slot and, and throw the ball to in some mismatch situations. You want some guys who can run between the tackles and fall forward for those extra two, three yards and push piles like Jeremy Pruitt likes to talk about. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, running back is a position where whoever whoever the quote-unquote starter is it's not it's not that important you need two three guys at least if not more given uh, sometimes the wear and tear of a season can lead to injuries at that position but um yeah i mean if you're if you're channel, you don't want to be in a situation where you're only getting the ball five six seven times a game as a senior uh, during your senior season so uh, um yeah i mean competition always uh, brings out the best in, in guys, and guys and chandler's always been sort of a quiet hard worker kind of does his thing um and goes about his business but uh you would think that yeah what gray did at the end of last season would would elicit a response but um you know those guys have seen what eric gray could do all all season during practice so they they know they know what his capabilities were Uh, a lot of them said that they weren't really surprised when he went off the way he did so um but but yeah i mean if you're if you're chandler you know we've seen it with some guys uh, in the past couple years that have sort of had I don't want to say breakout senior seasons, but they've played their best football seniors. And I think Chandler is certainly a candidate to do that.
0: What about what about Gray in particular, Pat? I know that – I guess what I'm trying to ask here is what, what do you make of what he did toward the end of his freshman season? Because we all know he, he looked like uh, or the first couple games that he was going to be a huge part of the rotation all year. Then he kind of fades into the background a little bit for the middle part of the season. Don't know if that's a freshman wall or or if his lack of pass protection skills were, were an issue. Clearly something was going on there, and, and the two older guys kind of took most of the snaps. Then later in the season, Gray emerges and becomes by far the most productive back on the team. And it's something really interesting about him because when you watch him, it's like he is – much he's just slippery he's just hard to tackle no one really squares him up uh he may not be the an absolute burner but he is fast he may not be the quickest but he is quick he just i don't know what it is but he's got that quality that a lot of good running backs have where it's just he's just hard to get on the ground
1: yeah you know i I think he's maybe the good word to use is subtle uh that's sort of how he runs um it seems like he's maybe got some anticipation that allows him to know where he's going quicker than defenders can read that he's going. And we've heard Pruitt talk about before about uh, other good running backs that Tennessee has played, guys like DeAndre Swift, where he said, it, you know, it's hard to get a lick on him. You know, I think Gray is one of those guys where it's hard to get, and you kind of mentioned this, it's hard to get him squared up and, and pop him real good. And um, there, there's a few running backs that that have been like that. Um, you know, I think Alvin Kamara comes to mind, as I mentioned, you know, Pruitt brought up swift and that's not to say Gray's going to be you know those guys those guys are our elite Now Gray could be those guys but he's not there yet but uh, going back to his freshman season um I, I do think he maybe hit a wall uh remember he, he he got to campus early but he didn't go through spring um so he missed a lot of those practice reps um this time a year ago uh, and i think it it's it sort of you know he, he was making a pretty big jump from going to um private school football that he was playing in, in in Memphis to play in the SEC uh, and I think he probably found out that there's a lot more demands uh, as a running back than just carrying the football and picking up yards and scoring touchdowns you know there's uh, you, you got to read defenses you got to be able to pick up uh, pick up blitzes and pressures and, and be able to hand you know stand up physically there uh, and, and remember he got his opportunity and, and that's sort of what it came down to for for him is early in the season Tim Jordan got a little banged up Against Georgia State, and so uh, Gray was involved in that game, and against BYU, um, and, and then later in the season when Chandler was a little bit banged up, that that sort of opened the door for him to get that big opportunity against Vanderbilt because just Chandler was, ba- you know, had a bad ankle, uh, and so once he got out that opportunity, uh, he took it and ran with. He didn't he didn't really get a lot of opportunities in between the first month of the season and those last two games. So, um, but but once you you saw that he got those opportunities. He's, you, you saw a player that as you mentioned Wes is is explosive even if he's not elite as a as a burner or elite as a guy that uh is necessarily um you know he's not the biggest guy but he's uh, he gets the whole hard he's a one-cut runner he gets to the second level and he has the ability to uh when there's the one guy there that you you know you you, you can draw a play up on a board of how it's supposed to be blocked and, and how it's supposed to look. And then you it comes down to, to talent. And can your guy make the other guy miss? Because a lot of times you can block all but everybody, but there's going to be one guy there that uh, can make the plan. I think uh, for, for for Ty Chandler and Tim Jordan last season, I think I think there were too many times where that one guy was able to get them down. And yes, so it's a four way, or five-yard gain way as opposed to a times. 15 or 20-yard gain.
0: Way too many times. So, Go on, yeah. Uh,
1: uh, and, and that's what we saw at the end of last season is Gray was able to uh, get some of those guys, some of those safeties, some of those linebackers that would come up into the hole, and he was able to sort of uh, give him a little subtle move and, and able to get by him. Now, the question for him is, again, can he do that week in week out, and can he do it with all due respect to Vanderbilt's players and Indiana's players? Can he do it against the Floridas and the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world? Those, those are teams he didn't really get to, to a lot of opportunity against last season. So um, can he replicate what he did in that very small two-game sample size and, and – Expand upon it and and make it something that he does, um, week in and week out against better defenses and against better players.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I think there's there's a lot of um, there, there's a lot of questions about that because until you do something at the highest level, uh, it, it's going to be an uncertainty. People aren't going to know. Uh, but I, I think when you look at sort of some things that other coaches uh, have said, people that coaches that have faced Tennessee that were about to face Tennessee. Uh, Gray is someone who comes up on their radar a lot. He's someone who they they mention quite a bit as a guy who who scares them. So uh, that's that's obviously a good thing because if you look at the other guys, running backs, and you go, they're just okay." Well, then then that team's usually not that good. So uh, he's a guy who could give Tennessee a bit of an edge. Uh, anything before we move on to the tight ends, Pat? Anything else? uh about those newcomers we'll see what's going on with hodge we'll see um you know if the uh the the, the versatile kid from memphis small if he comes in there and, and does some things what what do you what do you think of of, of any of these guys coming in or, or who who maybe could give a little something to that group
1: well i think they all uh well, could get an opportunity depending on uh what what the resumption of the offseason looks like and and at what point are these guys going to be able to get to campus and enroll? Um, it could be weird for some of these guys to enroll and then start their college career academically from from home, which is a situation that is potentially on the table at this point. Uh, even though, as you said at the top of this podcast, there's so much we don't know beyond um, even the next couple of weeks. So, uh, but yeah, I think I think Lenith Whitehead is an interesting. A lot of people think that he should play linebacker. He doesn't want to play linebacker. He wants to play running back, um, and that's where he's going to start. That's, that's Tennessee's philosophy be with guys that are versatile and uh, that they will at least to start their careers play the positions that they want to play and
0: if which, which is a great push thing comes through, a shot, does. yeah great thing
1: well yeah i mean it doesn't make any sense for you know to, for you if you're recruiting lenny whitehead to say yeah we're going to play your running back in the minute he gets to campus you, you put him in the linebacker room i don't you know that doesn't make any sense uh that that would do more harm than good um pretty i think that's pretty, pretty obvious at least to me but Um, if it gets to a situation where he's not really a factor at running back and they think he can help, then they'll approach him about it. But, uh, to start off with, you know, Whitehead is, wants to play your offense and I'm interested to see if he's able to, um, you know, how how quickly can he maybe become a factor there? Um, and I think he, he brings, uh, some size to, to the position that, as I mentioned before, Tennessee didn't have. Um, and and again, he's a guy that, that looks to be a pretty good athlete. Um, uh, and I'm interested to see how long does he stick at running back? Can he make a big impact there? Tennessee. I mean, frankly, they have a needle back or too going into this season. So, uh, I'm interested to see how they, how they handle a guy like him who, I guess we can call him kavara's crouch light. I don't know if he's that, uh, that talented, but, uh, maybe he's, uh, maybe he's akin to crouch and the, his ability to, to maybe help on both sides of the ball and, uh, and play a, a variety of different positions. But, uh, to, finish your, to answer your question, I'm interested to see what, what his career path looks like whenever he gets to campus and starts rolling.
0: Hey, Pat. On to the tight ends. Yeah, well, I was about to say, you know what else has versatility? Uh Versatility uh, is something that the tight end position has, and it's something that the uh, sponsors of this program have, uh, the the products and services and in-house ads and all those other fun things that we hear. They have a lot of versatility, just like Tennessee's tight end position, uh, just like the tight end position should have. So what we're going to do is we're going to step away here. We're going to get to break. We're a couple minutes late getting to one already. Uh, we're going to step away, pay some bills, come right back, and then we're going to discuss Tennessee's tight ends and then wrap it up with uh, Tennessee's offensive linemen. The Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have just heard during that commercial break. As always, you're not contractually, morally, spiritually, ethically obligated in any way, shape, or form to listen to those commercials. But we appreciate the people who do that. Uh, it helps us at Go Vols 24-7, helps us at 24-7 Sports, helps us at CBS Sports, and who knows, it might even help you. We're all sitting at home right now. You know, the things are a little different. Things are going to be different for a while, uh, and, and maybe one of these, uh, maybe one of these sponsors uh, will will have something that 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 uh, that suits you. Maybe it floats your uh, floats your boat. Maybe it does that. So. Uh, it's an interesting time for everyone, and we appreciate that you're spending some of it with us here on the GoValls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker here with Patrick Brown talking a little bit Tennessee football. We spoke about the Tennessee running back position in the first segment of this podcast, of this offseason checklist. Now we're going to go on to the tight end position. And, and Pat, well, what do you make of where Tennessee's tight ends are overall right now? Because Dominic Wood-Anderson – Uh, maybe he didn't have the career everybody wanted him to have, still had some big moments, was still a solid player, still got an NFL combine invite, still might have a future at the next level. Uh, Andrew Craig was a guy who played some fullback uh, for Tennessee, also played some uh, the tight end spot. Uh, was a walk-on from Webb School of Knoxville uh, who ended up being a pretty solid contributor. I I think he had another year of eligibility left, but he decided to go ahead and graduate and move on with his life. Where does Tennessee stand right now? Because, uh, there's one guy that we know really well and then behind him uh, a couple guys that we're not quite sure about uh, because they played other positions or they're young. It just seems like there's so much we don't know about this position.
1: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there with saying that there's a lot we don't know about the position and uh, I'm going to state something obvious here. This position would look a lot different had Tennessee been able to uh, hit the jackpot and get Eric Gilbert or Darnell Washington. They Correct. went really hard after both of those five-star guys. Gilbert wound up at LSU. Uh, Washington is going to Georgia. Um, and Tennessee put a lot of eggs in their basket, uh, in, in the basket of those two prospects. And when they came up empty on both, uh, they they went without signing a tight end. Now we some people think Demarcus Beck or D Beck with what are we calling him or we call him D I like D Beckwith better I, 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 I like better. I
0: like D Beckwith better also I think they need to maybe maybe we need to get them to change that on the roster in the system because I, I think I think he goes by D
1: so maybe he grows into a tight end that, that's possible I think Tennessee is still approaching Beckwith as a guy that's sort of positionless at this point so maybe we don't need to pigeonhole him into tight end just yet necessarily but um yeah, I think there's a lot of unknown about the position. I mean, you've got Austin Pope, and you got a bunch of guys that really haven't played a lot of football. Um, uh, some guys that have been in the program for a while. I mean, I think Princeton Fant might be if you since he was playing a game and we're recording this on Friday, if they were playing a game tomorrow, I think Princeton Fant's probably their number two tight end. Probably. Um, but he's probably he's probably had more position changes in his career than uh, catches. I think he had what two catches last season. Yeah, so, he, he is the uh, he is the
0: practice Swiss Army knife
1: yeah i mean he's he's well traveled for a guy that's been in the in one in, in the same program for going on four years now so uh can he you know I, I think he's a decent athlete can he be a good blocker though uh then you've got jacob warren who is really hard worked really hard this is his third full year in the program now uh he's registered his first year i think he's up in the 240s 6-6 um you know what can again can he hold up you know can he hold up physically at the point of attack i don't know what tennessee knows what they have yet and those two redshirt freshmen, jackson low Sean brown um it was sort of a learning year for them last season brown was a little bit banged up during bull practices so he missed some time also didn't enroll early like Lowe did so uh, those guys are, are unknown and then they move jordan allen over from outside linebacker and that's sort of an interesting position switch uh because allen's a guy that played on offense back in high school um and he's probably played as peru pointed out after tennessee's first spring practice he's probably played more offense in his life than he has on defense so um, especially since he missed just about all, he didn't play at all last season. I think he was practicing about the last second half of the year. So, um, a lot of unknowns. And I think, you know, I think Allen, he, he moved positions and probably thought, hey, I got a pretty good chance of contributing over here. There's not a lot, uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of proven experience on, at that position. So, um, it, it's a position of unknowns. And I think it's a position that, frankly, is hurt by the fact that they don't have a full spring that they're going to get to go through. So, because um, some of those guys are, haven't played a lot and and are still developing and and now they're missing out on that time. So, uh, this is a a position, you know, people season maybe glossed over this position because a lot of people don't pay, you know, maybe not that much attention to it, but Jim Cheney loves his two tight end sets. He, uh, you know, they played a lot of it last year with, with Wood Anderson and Austin Pope. So can they find that other guy to sort of compliment Pope? And in Pope's case, can he go from being, uh, primarily a guy that was used as a run blocker to a guy that can go, run routes and and catch the ball you know he did that a lot at CAK as you know in high school but um, can he he kind of do some of the same things that that what Anderson did uh, over the past couple seasons
0: yeah if you're looking for a size comp on Jordan Allen uh, Austin Pope is listed at 6'4 235 I think Allen's listed at something like 6'4 243 something like that 244 somewhere between 240 and 245 so uh, he, he's the same height and a little bit bigger uh, than Pope is. So physically, he he fits the mold uh, for what you want uh, from the tight end spot. And, and here's what's what's interesting to me is that you you said it really well, Pat. Uh, Jim Chaney loves those two tight end sets. Uh, he loves that position. He used to coach that position. You know, Jim Chaney's a smart guy. Tight ends are smart guys. Uh, tight ends other than uh, when you talk about mentally uh, – mentally the only position in football that, that's harder definitely than the tight end spot is the quarterback spot. Uh, you could maybe say that, that, middle, that Mike linebacker and safety are up there too, um, but you have to do so many things. And when you combine the physical and mental skills uh, required to play that position, I, I think only quarterback is a comparison to what you have to do at tight end. It's just, it's a lot. I mean, when you, when you look at on the average film, especially in this era, what those guys are doing from snap to snap it's pretty crazy what you ask those tight ends to do, and, and the the concern I have uh, with with Pope is, we know that he's a good blocker. We know that you know, despite not being the biggest tight end, he goes out there and he's a really good. He gets a hat on a hat and he does a good job. He's got toughness, but we don't know can can he be dynamic in the passing game? Because in in practice, you know Pruitt is not a guy who will tell you something he doesn't believe. If he, he if he tells you something, it's because he believes it. He has seen Pope make some fantastic plays in practice and he knows that that kid has skill as a pass receiving tight end now was it just an issue of the fact that they went to what anderson more often than they went to to pope in those situations cuz they 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 knew what kind of a dynamic athlete anderson what what anderson was i, I don't know that answer Um, But but I know that they need to get something from Pope. They need to get more from him in the passing game because they think he has that in him. And the other question I have with Pope is can he stay healthy? We know he's physically tough. He has played through a bad back situation. Uh, He's played through a lot of shoulder, ankle, knee injuries, all sorts of things. He he played with a partially torn uh, hamstring, I think, last year. That's why he had that that big – band looking thing on his leg throughout a lot of the year we know he can play through these injuries but we also know that he's not been able to 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 be as maybe productive as he as he should be uh, because he's been dinged up and and that's that's going to be more important that he stay healthy now especially if he's going to be the number uh, one tight end as opposed to a co-number one tight end or number two tight end if he's going to be the guy He's got to to stay as healthy as he can. He's got to be productive. Uh, And then behind them, I don't know, Pat. I mean, there are, uh, I think Warren's a kid with good size. He's got good athleticism, a really, really good catch radius. Uh, He's a a good athlete. Um, He's worked hard, but physically can he hold up as a blocker Uh, because Pruitt likes those inline tight ends, the kind of physical tough guys, and and Warren's got to show that he can do that. And, And then with Brown and Lowe, uh, neither one of them made much of an impact last season. Now, tight end's a developmental position, so that's not necessarily the end of the world. Uh, you know, a tight end spot, you can be going into your third or fourth year in a program before you're finally a pretty good tight end. Uh, it's just kind of hard to get, unless you're a freak athlete, it's kind of hard to make a huge splash there as a, as a true freshman because physically, mentally, everything you have to know, it's a lot. So those guys physically have the size. Um, can they develop? I don't know. We'll see. Um, but there are more questions than answers at tight end. And that that's a position I think you put it really well, Pat, when you said that if they have some sort of a – if they can't make up these spring camp practices, if this thing – if it's a really short kind of truncated preseason camp, uh, if 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 they go into the season with minimal practice time – I think it's going to hurt Tennessee's tight ends as much as as it's going to hurt any position on the field. And and so that's something that they're clearly going to have to address, uh, and those guys need to have a really, really, really good offseason, and they need to get everything out of this that they can. Moving on to the O-line, Pat, um, this was going to be a really interesting spring because Tennessee has depth coming out of its ears on the offensive line. Tennessee has a scenario where potentially you could have a sixth-year senior and Brandon Kennedy starting at center. And you could have four five-star prospects starting around him. Uh, and, and then you've got behind that some pretty darn good players also who will be pushing them for playing time, if not starting spots. Tennessee's got a lot uh, of bodies there and a lot of potential depth, but also some questions. Wanye uh, Morris was going to be out for – uh, spring camp now. Whenever they get back to playing football, he'll probably be be good to go. What do you think about this O line situation, Pat? Because I think, and I think we all think it should be uh, the if not the biggest, certainly one of the biggest strengths on the team. But there are still some questions there, aren't there?
1: Yeah, there are. And um, to, to me, the the big questions are: number one, can this group turn the hype? well that's the term we'll we'll use into reality a lot of people expect this offensive line to be really good can they go out and do it I feel like it's been a while since Tennessee had like really good offensive line play um now they've, they've gotten better there over the last you know last year I think they got better
0: yeah 2012 2012 um, was, was a good hard, year
1: it's hard to get much worse from where they were 2017 2018 around you know those couple of seasons it was uh, it wasn't very pretty, but uh, and the other big questions to me are, are two, obviously, about, about Cade Mays' eligibility. Um, it seems like the NCAA is still ruling on those situations, even with with everything going on. Uh, Jason Corbin, uh, who transferred from Texas A&M to Florida State, got his ruling back yeah. and has been ruled eligible uh, for the Seminoles, so um, that happened, I think, this week, so it seems like the NCAA is still making some headway on those things, and that's not to say that Anything with Mays is imminent or anything like that, but that's just – it's just worth pointing out uh, in, in regards to Mays' situation. Uh, and the third question is Is the tackle positions. Obviously, you look at the interior spots uh, with Kennedy, with Trey Smith. Obviously, those two guys are locked in at center and left guard. Uh, they've got enough options to figure out, you know, to have uh, some backups there with Drem Carvin. Obviously, I think Cade Mays' best position is right guard probably. Probably, um, yeah. Uh, and, and the and the question to me was going to be, uh, you know, can they build some depth at tackle? Because really, beyond, uh, you know, they've got some decent options with Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright. What were those guys going to look like after, uh, in, in you know, this off season for for Wanya? Obviously, it was going to be a lost off season of him trying to get healthy. Uh, with Wright, it was going to be really his first full off season in of the program. So I think he's a guy that's that's impacted by there not being a spring. Um, and then I think Heyron Calvert and, and Jameer Johnson are also guys that can play tackle and, and Jameer was going to get, I think pretty much as many first team reps at left tackle that he could get probably uh, with one being out. And I think Darnell Wright probably would have gotten some, some looks at, at left tackle too, uh, had they had, had a spring to to do that and maybe some other guys get a look there. So, um, and the big question to me, you know, beyond that is, is uh, how is how is the competition going to play out? Because if a guy like Jerome Carvin keeps playing, well or plays well or shows that he needs to be in the starting lineup maybe he you put him at right guard and maybe Cade Mays is a factor at right tackle um that's sort of the the you know that that, that was going to be the the big situation worth watching for for Tennessee's offensive line both during the spring and and preseason camp under normal circumstances was how was the con- competition going to play out who's going to emerge um and I think Tennessee was still probably in a, in a situation where they're, they're you know they'll rotate they rotated some last, last year if they've got six seven eight guys and there's not a lot of drop off between some of those guys at certain spots and then they were going to they were going to rotate like they did some last season so uh and, but again i think the big question was could they turn the hype into reality and and uh, like a lot of these questions that wasn't going to be answered until you know the, the, the balls kicked off and they actually start playing but uh but yeah i think i think those are some of the, the things that i wanted to see from tennessee's offensive line during this offseason. had it been a regular off off season.
0: You know, what's really interesting to me is you look at the number of guys and, and, and when you talk about flipping a roster and you talk about trying to improve um, the situation of a roster, what Tennessee has done, what Pruitt and his staff have done in three years on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball has been pretty phenomenal. Uh, when you look at, at what they inherited, just the, the style of football, the, the way the program was when they got there. You were a lot smaller on both lines of scrimmage. Some guys who had been, you know, edge rushers who had become tackles. And, you know, you had, you know, tight ends and stuff who had become offensive tackles and tackles who had become guards. And all, you had all these other things. Now the number of 300-pound men, the, the 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 and I say men because these are man-sized men here, and the number of 300-pounders, the number of big bench press squat guys, just the size, the physicality, this group looks in so many ways – just so much bigger and better than it did when they got there now is it good enough to go beat like you know georgia and bama and we'll see we'll see um florida and all those types we'll see Uh, there's a lot to prove but here's where they are getting getting trey smith and brandon kennedy back both of them for one more year is huge because those might be the two most mature young men on the football team. Uh, those are unbelievable leaders. They lead by example. They'll speak up. Uh, they, they come every day to work. Uh, y- y- you can, as a coach, you can feel really good about having those two guys leading your group. And when I look at where they are overall, Pat, this doesn't mean that they're going to go out there and be one of the best lines in the country. they got a lot to go prove. But I see a list of guys here. I'm going to throw some names out here. Uh, Chris Akparegny, um, Kron ron Calbert, uh, and a guy that we haven't mentioned a lot at all, Jameer Johnson, uh, who was Tennessee's best offensive lineman two years ago. The, the, those guys that we've listed right there, none of them might be starters. And if you go back and look at the past decade of Tennessee football, they would be no doubt starters most years up front. That, that to me, shows how far they've come at this position, to, to the fact that they've got – a group of 10 guys who pretty much almost any point in the past decade would have started up front for Tennessee. Maybe that says as much about where the program has been or more about where the program has been than where it is now, but I think that's important, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a credit to what this program has done that the situation has improved as much as it has in such a short period of time. Uh, it's a credit to, to Jeremy Pruitt and Will Friend um jim cheney's involved in that group uh there's some other guys there some other support staffers that i think have a hand in and developing guys and, and helping players uh get better uh, and then but you know it gets down to recruiting too you need to bring in guys like one morris and darnell Wright and guys that look like that you know if you can get a, a cade Maze to fall into your lap that's obviously a, an ideal situation um you know if, if you were going into tennessee's offseason saying all right where do we want to maybe hit the transfer market um, I don't know that offensive line was a need, but when you have a chance to get a guy like Cade Mays, who Jeremy Pruitt said was one of the best offensive line since he faced last season, um, then he, 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 he you're not you're not turning that op- that opportunity down. And so uh, when you get things like that, when you get guys, uh, or, and you get situations where you get some maybe some breaks with, with Brandon Kennedy getting a sixth year, and 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 Trey Smith, I mean, he easily could have gone to the NFL after uh, after his junior season. I don't think anybody would have blamed him. Um, but when you get some of those breaks, then you have a situation like this where you're you're expecting to be pretty good on the offensive line. As as we keep saying, they got to go out and do it. But uh, certainly, there's um, there's reason to be excited about how good this group could be in 2020. And then I think there's a uh, you mentioned some of those guys. Uh, there's a a young core I th- think waiting in the wings as well. I like the two guards that they're bringing in uh, in this class, and, and Cooper Mays and and uh, is, is the other part of that group. Um, they've got the two young second year tackles to, uh, who are only going to get better. And if they realize their potential, they could be really good players. So, um, there's a lot to like about the situation, both for this season and moving forward. Now it's, um, again, this is a position that is a developmental position and, and how much are, uh, guys impacted by not having practice reps? How much are they impacted by being at home, uh, and not near the nutrition plan that keeps, them on on track in terms of staying on weight and all those things so
0: which is so important uh, get stronger position. on you know when you're, so when you're not
1: important. near your your program's weight room so uh yeah i mean i i think it's uh, it's a it's a credit to where uh the work that a lot of people have done to get this offensive line in this kind of position uh but there's still more work to be done and there's still as you said a lot to prove with this
0: group it's, it's funny pat as you were saying that i was doing two things uh, which is never a good thing for me when i try to multitask but i i i listed kind of what a lot of people think would be the first-team offensive line, just to, if things go the way people, most people seem to think, and that would be left to right. Uh, Morris, Smith, Kennedy, Mays, and, and Wright. And behind that, I made a list of five guys, a, a five-man lineup, of uh, Jameer Johnson, um, Chris Akperegny, um Riley Locklear, uh, K. Ron Calvert, Jerome Carvin. So in that five, that five right there would be better than a lot of the starting fives Tennessee has put out there in the past decade. Is that, is that a crazy thought? I don't think it is.
1: Uh, I don't know about that. I think it would be better than a lot of the – th- I mean, even, even the bad 2017 offensive line still had Trey Smith on it.
0: Oh, I know. but I'm talking about – I'm going back to like I think over the past decade there's, there's years where that five would have been maybe not better about as good as Tennessee had in, in a lot of years. I, that's probably I think.
1: true. I mean, Tennessee hasn't had an offensive lineman draft yeah, since yeah, 2014. Yeah, so.
0: and, and I think when you look at that, that tells you, and I'm just trying to put in perspective here. Is what? I, and maybe I'm not doing the best job of it, but off the top of my head, they're just listing those guys and writing them down on paper. I, that, to me, shows how far they've come as a program here because I don't think they should be celebrated in, in full until they go out there and prove it against some of the best teams in the country. But a lot of these guys should be NFL players, Pat. I mean, they really should be.
1: I mean, you look at uh, – I was scouring some mock drafts the other day, and there's a couple uh, – I think one side has – uh, 2021 20, mock draft, and it has both Trey Smith and Cade Mason in the first round. Uh, and then they, that same side had a 2022 20, draft that had, uh, let me, I think I wrote this down. Uh, I had Wanya Morris in like the top 15. And I mean, it's crazy to think about it, but you know, I mean, it's two years out from now, and a lot obviously can and will change between now and then. But that's just some of the, the talent that maybe is on the radar that this group has, and certainly, yeah, you couldn't say that. Uh, this group for a while um but i mean if we're comparing it to past offensive, line, i think it's definitely better on paper but even uh i think the maybe the 2009 offensive line is is a, maybe a good example it had what the sullens twins who were former walk-ons right yeah uh, and that group still got monterey hardesty to over a thousand yards so um gotta go out there and do it i mean it's I've, you know i've heard from coaches that i've talked to that the offensive line is is the hardest position to recruit, hardest position to evaluate because you're trying to project what player uh, player's going to look like after two, three, four years of uh, of a oh, of a college weight room, and a college workout program, and a college nutrition plan. It's really hard to project, uh, and that's why uh, if Tennessee's taken you know three star guards or three star offensive linemen, I'm like, there's some there's some programs in in the Midwest that have made a made a you know. Made a living out of doing that and bringing in guys that are uh, just big, strong, powerful guys yeah, that aren't necessarily the Wisconsin, best Wisconsin, Iowa, and,
0: every year, Wisconsin, Iowa, those programs.
1: Yeah, that, that's you know those two of the programs I had in mind. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this you know the situation's good, but again, when push comes to shove during the season, are they going to be able to, to live up to the height?
0: I guess you could say when push comes to shove, will they be able to push and shove?
1: You could say that. If you're that sounds like a dad joke though.
0: Yeah, and and really Ramy should have been around to appreciate that. We're just dog dads. We're not like human dads. You know, it's different. It's different. Pat, anything else before we step on out of here? Or, or is there anything else about the O line? Anything the running? Yeah, guy? there is something
1: else. I actually have a dog. You have a 20 pound cat. Let's get that let's get that straight. Uh,
0: a corgi is a dog.
1: Ron Swanson says that anything any dog less than fifty pounds is a cat. Well, uh, and cats are pointless. What, so.
0: Well, corgis are are herding dogs. They can herd sheep and cattle. I think that qualifies as a dog.
1: Well, I have an eighty pound golden retriever, so I win.
0: That's true, but she's a softie. Of course, you know she's, she's spoiled she's, rotten. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. It's very, very true. I appreciate it, Pat. Thanks, man. And we're gonna we're gonna keep doing these things. We're gonna have a couple more uh, next week about different positions. But uh, thanks for thanks for taking the time, man. Hope you all hope you and your family at your undisclosed location are staying safe and uh, that we can all get through this.
1: Absolutely. Take care, Wes. Guys.
0: guys, thanks for tuning in. As always. We appreciate it. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that. No personal stuff. You can get all that at twitter.com slash 24 247 or facebook.com slash 24 247 Or if you want that delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water right from the source, right just directly crystal clear Clear, beautiful. Go to GoVols247.com. Got a lot of good deals going on right now. And if you pay the full price for a 24 247 subscription, you will get access a full year. For, for as long as you are a member of 24 247 and you pay us the full price, you get access to CBS All Access. Uh, that's the big streaming package, the Rolls-Royce package, No commercials. Everything in the CBS catalog, all the movies, every show they've ever done. Uh, I guess I should say they, it's we now. We at CBS, uh, you know, you can get, uh, there's not much live sports right now, but you can get a ton of, of archive sports, SEC stuff, NFL stuff. You can also, uh, coming up in a little bit here in a year or so, get the, some of the UEFA Champions League stuff there. There's all kinds of stuff, podcasts, movies that rotate in and out. And that's a $100 annual value that we're giving for free. For zero dollars and zero cents. If you, if you pay us, you get that for free. And right now when we're all quarantined, that's a pretty darn good deal. That's a pretty darn good deal. If nothing else, guys, if there's no breaking news, which, you know, there always no there there might be, you'll hear from us again on Monday uh, at the latest. So uh, until then, enjoy your weekend and uh, take take this quarantine seriously, guys. I'm not a doctor, but that's what the doctors are saying to do. So, uh, so let's do that. See you.